follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Doing good, Shad. Uh, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Brad's been having a little bit of a day, so we um, are here to kick off. The saga I've mentioned, I think, on the last two episodes continues on. (laughs) It is the ongoing saga that we hope ceases being ongoing soon yeah i oh. i'm pretty sure it's gonna be another it's gonna it's gonna go a while so um yeah all right well we want to say thank you all for joining us for this episode we want to give the shout out to our affiliates the first one is to collar and elbow the wrestling brand collar and elbow brand.com use the promo code four corners podcast that's number four capital c and corners capital p and podcast save 10 percent on your order for our other shout out we throw it over to matt oh uh, yeah that'd be to orlando cologne um i don't think orlando cologne has any allergies but uh <laughs> if he does have seasonal allergies i hope that he uh he takes a zero tech and is fine yeah we're hoping so <laughs> anyway um we have <laughs> Kevin Nash just set Bolt upright for some reason. <laughs> so can I, can I say my saga's continued? I still have not been able to find uh, AEW uh, action figures. You yeah, ain't been able to find the figures? Chad no. and I <laughs> even even um, deployed into action last week to help you. That's yeah. true. You guys did. Uh, but they're not easily available. And again, the, the Jazzwares guy is... Uh, not doing himself any favors online. He he starts making Twitter little tweets about how, oh, it's great to like sell stuff on the secondary market. Like when you find that great eBay purchase, it's like shut up. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not paying like eighty dollars for one of your figures. Like I'm not. It's yeah. I know I know COVID's not helping, but like so I went and and like the Masters of the Universe stuff was totally picked over mm. too mm-hmm. yeah i mean people act you can talk to christy petrillo friend of the show friend of the show yes yeah uh but he it's it, this like it's mythical that that this stuff isn't being uh just rampantly bought by by scalpers who are then reselling it like it's, it's not true. just like oh oh my i guess i went in there and bought all this stuff for my kid it's like no you know you didn't yeah like you're people buy entire like pallets worth of stuff it seems sell. it seems like the masters of the universe stuff is not totally being catered to collectors though because like the way they're organizing that seems to be catered to children and the people that mm-hmm. maybe just want one or two because if you don't know about the masters of the universe stuff the way they're doing that is he-man and skeletor ship in their own box and then everyone else is kind of in the same thing so they're at le- they at least 
are being kind enough to try and make He-Man and Skeletor plentiful for people that might just be like, oh, I just want a He-Man and a Skeletor for nostalgia's sake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there's an effort there, at least. So, that's nice. Yeah, I, we went looking, and I, I, I sent Matt a picture of empty pegs, and I was like, sorry, dude. All gone. Well, the sad thing is, you and I did better than Matt, because our stores actually had pegs. Yeah, they did. I, um... They did. Anyway... We were gonna we were uh, gonna segue into our topic for this evening. The this evening we are going to be delving into another off-brand topic. We are going to be delving into well, I guess it's a it's a in the last twenty years phenomenon. Brad, what are we looking at? Well, this is actually the return of Professor Matt. Oh, that's true. Professor Matt, what are we looking at? Uh, we are looking at these various different shows that have aired or are continuing to air uh, as part of Cartoon Network's Adult Swim lineup, uh, and it's been it's it's been ongoing for gosh how many years? Uh, well I, over a decade. I, I did some I did some like kind of looking into the research. Like it, it's crazy to think this actually debuted like nine days before nine eleven happened. Like. Oh, good the, God. Yeah. Wow. And I know they had done, like, some test runs before that. I don't remember the mm-hmm. name of the show, but there's that weird show the Ren and Stimpy creator did. And then he also did that um, boo-boo going, like, feral, <laughs> like, cartoon. <laughs> like, and I think that was part of it. But so, yeah, so, like, uh, I think it's September 2nd, 2001 is, like, the debut of Adult Swim. Mm. And now I I don't know about you guys, but like there was, there was probably a solid six year period where Adult Swim was like my, my thing. Like, I watched a lot of the shows. Like, my um, my weekends revolved around it. If I was home, like Saturday and Sunday nights were huge deals because that's when like the new Adult Swim came on, or and even like even Saturday was huge because um. Teen Titans and Justice League were still putting out new cartoons. There so you even, it is. You yeah. even yeah. you even pre-gamed your your Adult Swim with some with some DC animated stuff, and then you got into yeah. like some of the the more mild anime before going into like the heavier like Adult Swim stuff. I, I kind of viewed the like Justice League and stuff was the entree, and then you were having a fine after dinner liqueur when you dove into some. Adult Swim stuff. Yeah. I don't know how that works. I can't drink, so. <laughs> yeah, I remember, like, uh, watching it almost as soon as it began, and I was just enraptured by it. Like, and I still, to be honest, like, I actually still watch Adult Swim. It's great to, um, it's great to just have on its background. I mean, I know it doesn't really start airing until, like, later in the evening. Yeah. But I'll still watch a lot of the shows that are on there even if i've already seen them before it's just kind of comforting to to throw on if i'm like playing a video game reading a book just want to veg out at the end of like the long work day so i still watch it but um it's become more of like uh hey they got that anime i wanted to see or you know for rick and morty and some of the reruns like a lot of the newer shows don't like quite 
um, enrapture me the way some of the older stuff did. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Although I um I have to say like I never I never got into like the anime stuff. Yeah, I didn't either. No, I mean I don't. So I'm not really like knowledgeable that knowledgeable about anime. Like back in the day when it first was kind of just debuting here, um, I watched like you know Dragon Ball Z. I watched uh, some other stuff. Like at the late '90s, I watched some of the stuff that actually like Sci-Fi Channel or Adult Swim would would show. Mm-hmm. So I'm familiar with some stuff like like Tenchi Muyo. Um, I loved like Fooly Cooly. Yeah, it's a good show. That which d- was just like a very a limited. It was like a limited series, but I, I understand that they brought it back for at least one more series. That one seems to largely have been popular here and not quite so popular in Japan. Because hmm. that's happened sometimes. Do you remember Big O? Oh, I loved Big O. But so, Big O was... Go ahead. So Big O wasn't that popular <laughs> in Japan, and it really only got like the extra episodes because it took off so big here. You know, I need to... I would actually buy that on Blu-ray or DVD, whatever it's available on. I really should look into that. Because that was a fantastic show, and it only ran, like, I think maybe two seasons. It might ended have on like a clip random like third like tacked on with a couple episodes but yeah it, it wasn't like a long running thing yeah and it kind of left it in a cliffhanger so a lot of people wanted it to come back have you seen big o um shad uh the only thing i know about big o is that it has a giant robot and the guy shouts go big o <laughs> at some point during the episode mm-hmm. that's all i got <laughs> it's a it's a really fascinating show uh, I I would actually recommend it because it's it, at its heart, it's a it's like a giant mecha, but it also has a it it kind of like does some cross uh, genre stuff like it, it's it, it, it's part like noir, it's um it's kind of like philosophical. It kind of delves into the mm-hmm. what is reality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weirdly like reminiscent. Do you have, have you ever seen the the movie um, Dark City? No, that's really going back way in the the day. That's a great. That's a really great movie. Um, but kind of very like dark uh, science fiction type of stuff. Uh, it's a fascinating show. So I actually I should buy that. That was a I did watch that and that they they did air that on on Adult Swim, but. Overall, I'm, I haven't really got into a lot of anime stuff just because uh, the thing that I don't like about anime. This is, I know we're kind of straying from Adult Swim, but I know they you know, they anime is an- in Adult Swim though. I think I think you can't quite <laughs> separate um, anime and Adult Swim. So yeah, they it's mostly regulated. I think to like Saturday nights, but uh, the thing I don't like about anime and I I, I have nothing like, truly against it. And I've there's a lot of anime stuff that's in my like netflix queue that i eventually want to to watch but i guess my problem is like some of that stuff if it's self-contained and it's only like a, a very kind of like limited amount of episodes i'm fine with it but some of that stuff like dragon ball z oh or, my god or inuyasha or something like that it's like i i i don't know that i'm gonna have time to watch like 400 episodes of a series well so what the problem you run into with a lot of anime and um inuyasha is good if you ever get into it But what a lot of those shows run into is usually they're running concurrent with the manga. 
And um, mm. they either get into filler content to wait for the manga to build up enough content for them to, to emulate because uh, Naruto ran into that for a really long time. Oh, no, no, yeah, that's another one. But Na- Naruto is actually uh, very popular. Yeah, I tried. Like my brother was into Dragon Ball Z. I tried. Oh God, it. it I have two issues with anime one the the art style just like the kind of the general aesthetic isn't really for me two oh my god the number my brother would watch dragon ball z because we had a system we'd trade off on what we were watching right like through the course of the day like from we'd get home from school from this time to this time i'd watch something from this time to this time he'd watch something that was the best way we could figure out how to do it and sometimes I would watch Dragon Ball Z with him, and the number of episodes that were we're standing here staring at each other. Here's what happened last time something relevant happened. I better be ready for some the next time something relevant happens. End of episode. Next episode, same thing. Next episode, same thing. I just like I'm sure I had a vein pulsing on my forehead. It drove me crazy. Naruto's better. It, Naruto kind of gets into its own trouble, but like Naruto has some difference to it because like he isn't the best at anything so like when when he fights until they get they do like the time jump he's not actually super great other than when the demon comes out like he has to actually outsmart stuff and people okay and his um, voice his voice that like from what i've heard of naruto the voice of the main characters like nails on a chalkboard for me so i am just out. And they and they they do like they they will have fights take like a couple episodes, but they also like they intersperse those fights with like like flashbacks to like that character's like past, and they kind of like intersperse like their their history into the fight to like give them motivation and stuff. So it goes off the rail, but there's about you know, sixty ish episode thing where it's okay but for me like i i'll watch some anime um but i prefer to read the manga because the pacing's better you don't run into potentially bad voice acting (laughs) honestly if you want if someone wants a good um anime to watch that's like friendly and like you don't have to really be into anime to like i would recommend um seven deadly sins hmm which is um it is it is a standard anime but like my wife my wife doesn't really like anime but she likes um Seven Deadly Sins and she likes Lupin the Third. Mm. And I would highly recommend Lupin the Third because it's hilarious. The um the thing that I didn't like about let's say like Dragon Ball Z is that they did they kind of it was basically broken apart by like the villains like the mm. villain arcs. Yeah, but it would all get so repetitive where it's like, yeah, uh, Go- Goku and the crew would like, okay, like here's a new villain, and then the villain shows up and he like kicks the shit out of them, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, we need to train and get more powerful, so they do that and they face the villain and then they like kick the villain's ass and the villain's like, ha ha ha, I have a second form and then he turns to a second form and then they have to train again to actually beat the second form and then like they repeats that like a couple times. Well, then they even have like they Super Saiyan two and stuff that they get to. It gets absurd. Yeah, and basically Goku becomes at some at points he becomes so powerful he literally like can obliterate like the universe and it's just it's a uh, I don't know. It's kind of a lot. 
So I yeah yeah. Okay, if you want if you want Dragon Ball Z content without uh, quite so this will make sense when I say it without quite so much Dragon Ball Z in it. Go grab yourself some. Go on YouTube and grab Dragon Ball Z abridged. They did from the beginning of Z through the end of the Cell Saga, and it's it's all it's way like that whole thing is like maybe sixty five episodes, and it's shorter and it's funny. Like they get funnier as time goes by, but it's shorter and it's funny, and it's it's enjoyable that way. So you know, that's. That's all. That's all I got. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm out. So probably the um the last like anime that I actually gave some time to, and I don't think I ever really finished it, was a uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Yes, that Brotherhood's not as good, but I will argue with anyone that Full Metal Alchemist is like a top tier. Oh, it was really anime. a good show. Shad, and if Shad, if you're gonna watch one thing, I would highly recommend Full Metal Alchemist. I've had people recommending Cowboy Bebop to me. That one's but... good too, and I, I would recommend. So, so my list for people, if you're not into anime, to like, if you want to sample it, is, um, well, one, pull up some Studio Ghibli stuff and watch it, because it's very, <laughs> it's very, it's very Disney esque, like very beautiful animation, like some great stories in there, and it's a movie, so it's not bad. And then I would say Cowboy Bebop. Um, Full Metal Alchemist would probably be like my top series choices. Maybe Samurai Champloo. Like the the just to give you some background, whenever it comes to me in Japanese animation, it was like a little Voltron in the eighties, and then like my brother watching Dragon Ball Z, and off the top of my head, that's all I can remember. Like, I didn't watch Battle for the Planets or anything like that. I've never that. seen and... that either, but that wasn't really on when I was a kid. That's more like a 70s thing, I think. All right. Fair enough. But you know, I'm just trying to... So so anyway, um, like, let's... let's uh, I want a roundtable that, I... like... Oh, yeah, go ahead, Matt. Okay, can I just add one thing? Yeah. Um, uh, if, if Shad does start watching um, Full Metal Alchemist... There, you'll basically have your brain like broken by like episode six or seven. That and, that doesn't sound like a selling point. Well, so here, and here's I, I'm referring, I'm referring Brad to Nina Tucker. Oh yeah, because that's where I tell people. That's, I tell people I say because my friend, my friend, I gave the series to my friend. And he watched like the first two episodes. And he's like, you know, this show is a little slow. I don't know if I like it. And I said, you need to give it till episode six and you'll be hooked. And he came back like a couple days later. He's like, I got to the episode you told me to wait to. And he's like, I'm hooked. It's a, and it's a traumatizing. It's not quite up there with uh, like Fry's dog from Jurassic Park, but it's, it's pretty bad. Well, okay, we can. We'll, we'll In just, which case, now I'm really not sold well, no, on well, it. Well, I'll just. Well, I'll just. I'll go through it and I'll spoil that for you because I doubt you're going to watch it. So, so the the premise. <laughs> the premise is it's the the two main characters are Alric, no Elric, and Alphonse. Um, so what they are is they they get into alchemy and their mom dies when they're young, and they decide to bring her back. And the conceit of the world is. To do alchemy, you have to. It's an equal exchange, is like what they talk about all the time. Yeah. So they bring her back, and um, 
it screws everything up and like Elric loses his an arm and a leg and then Alphonse like it steals his whole body and his brother only saves him by pretty much force essentially binding his soul to like a, a suit of armor yeah and so the the Nina the Nina episode is they're staying with this guy because he made a he made a homunculus that can talk yeah but he can't seem to do it again and what it ends up being the twist is he ends up taking his daughter and her dog and um making them a homunculus and then there's this guy called Scar that's going around that comes across it and he pretty much just destroys it at its request but that's like because what the series goes. It's essentially it's like an abomination, but it's yeah, it's horrific because in in, in the context of the show, like the little girl is like four, yeah, yeah. and it's basically like imagine like uh, you know the fly Brundle fly, but combining like a girl, a little girl and her dog. It's it's horrific, and and there's that... once you see this, it's like I I this is a this is a screwed up show. What what the hell am I watching? How did we manage to put a podcast about adult swim in the ditch so no, but like but i think it's dark but then it makes the show better because you realize like the show isn't pulling like punches like there's a later no. one where he goes into this prison and fights these um brothers that have been melted into this armor and they're kind of talking to him and the the armor part of the brother like the head is a different part is a different brother but the armor part pretty much commits suicide by destroying his alchemy sign and he's like freaking out, like he can't let him do that. And he does it, and then the head's like, "You called him human, like you made him happy." Like it's, it is a great show, like legitimately. Yeah. It is a great show. And then there's this guy, I don't remember his name, but he's this big, huge, burly guy, and like he poses and stuff, and he's always like sparkling. Because <laughs> there's this part where like they're repairing themselves after this fight and they're kind of just screwing around and he like tackles both of them. He's like, don't forget about me. And then they just start like fighting with him, like on a beach. But it's a good show. Okay. I, I would highly, well, and then there's a guy, um, the main like guy that they work with his power is fire. So he puts, he puts alchemy symbols on his gloves so he can like snap his fingers and form fire. It's really cool. Um. <laughs> so let's um. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's hitting on much for me. You have to watch it. It's it's a hard show to describe. Like it's because it's the thing is like it's very deep and philosophical about like about like how it approaches the world. Uh, I think I got enough of that in my life. <laughs> but um. So I wanted to say like what um. What, what, what would you guys say would be your favorite Adult Swim show? And I guess I'll start because I would say, I would say that it's still like the standard bearer, even though I love stuff like Rick and Morty. But I would still say like Aqua Teen Hunger Force is like the, is always for me probably going to be the standard bearer of <clears throat> Adult Swim. Um, go ahead, Matt. I would, I would personally say, I actually probably do like rick and morty the best even though it's more recent and, you know that's very popular with like more it's become a little more mainstream and it's almost unfair to loop it in i know it's part of it but it's like to me it's a very different show than just about everything there because a lot of 
a lot of adult swim stuff is it's just not like Rick and Morty. So it, Rick and Morty is probably my favorite, but that's it's almost unfair to say that because uh, it's just so different. But and, uh, and Rick and Morty kind mm-hmm. of operates. Uh, I don't know, like because I've had friends try and get into Rick and Morty, and I've had to like. I've had to like talk them through it and just be like, you got to give it like season one. You got to give it like the the couple episodes it needs to like find its voice, and then you'll you'll love it. But mm-hmm. you know, you have to give that probably most of season one. I'd say like because I think the I think the weakest Rick and Morty episodes are like the first two or three. Yeah. Well, and the the I didn't like the season finale of season three either. <sighs> I actually don't think I've seen that one. That's the one where like um, the president oh. keeps calling them. Oh wait, I did see that one. I'm thinking of season four. I actually don't think I've seen the finale for season four yet. Um, if I had like a number, a runner-up, well, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I actually watched a lot of like Family Guy, even though, um, again, it doesn't originate in Adult Swim, although. Adult Swim is basically responsible for the fact that Family Guy is still a thing. Yeah. Yeah, because remember, that's really where they took off. Like, I was already watching it when Family Guy went on, went on came on because mm-hmm. I was watching when they did the bumpers with people swimming. Okay, yeah. I know what you're talking about. So that, that predates, I think, Family Guy by a bit. But I think people that weren't there don't realize, like, when Futurama and Family Guy hit the um, Adult Swim lineup, like it was huge. Like they were beating like late night talk shows in the demo for those mm-hmm. shows. Yeah, and it did so well that like, well, and then so they did that. Like I think like five months before Family Guy came out on DVD, like the first season. Okay, and like because they had that lead in, like it just destroyed and Fox looked at it and they were like, Whoa, we, we have to bring this back because it's actually popular. Yeah. We screwed up. We, we canceled the show for some reason that turned out to be popular again. And they, and Futurama did well enough that it got like another three or four seasons too. Was it, I can't recall if it was adult swim specific. It might've just been like TBS. Then they, they um they also aired it. No, I can't they, they they jumped on a little later. Because mm. there was definitely a, at least a year or two where Family Guy was an Adult Swim only thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of waiting for those demographics to to not exactly settle in, but have enough data to to be able to make a definitive statement about them. Yeah. Because I feel like if TBS was going to air them at the same time as Adult Swim, they wouldn't have had the um, been able to afford the rights. Uh, that makes sense. Um, if I'm going to pick a favorite Adult Swim show, you can count Space that's going to be Coast to Coast. Well, I was going to say Space Coast Coast to Coast is kind of the granddaddy, which I really enjoyed. Uh, the The biggest problem I had with Space Coast Coast to Coast is there weren't enough new episodes. I remember being young, you know, mid-90s, you know, being being young, and, and they're just not being, like, I'd stay up to watch it. 
And my parents would be like, eh, you can stay up and watch if you want to, but, you know, we're getting up and going, doing this thing tomorrow, no matter what. And it was a rerun. And I was just, I would be just, I would be very unhappy about that. Because um, I was like, no, I wanted to see a new one. Uh, but, you know, it that didn't happen. Um, it never really stuck to a schedule either because I was looking at its history and and all together, even with um, well, this is gonna really this is gonna really be an obscure reference. When you factor in the the couple seasons they did on Game Tap, it mm-hmm. um, it um, it has a decent number of episodes, but I don't know if the Game Tap episodes are easily accessible. Right. And it just felt like, you know, I kept waiting for, um, I, you know, I just kept sitting and waiting for new episodes to show up and I didn't get them. Um, but, you know, Aqua Teen was really a lot of fun. And then I think you can also call this one, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure this was an Adult Swim, was uh, Robot Chicken, which was just kind of short punchy little skits that appealed to the absurdist humor in me. And I love absurdist humor. It, um, I liked the first couple seasons of robot chicken, but I feel like that show has turned into like a law of diminishing returns. The longer it's gone. It probably, um, it helped. What I thought made that show great though, was their ability to get people to come in and voice their actual roles. They got Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher to come in and do a Lois and Clark joke. My favorite. My f- and they hung a lampshade on it. They're like, does anybody going to get this joke? How long has it been since this show was on the air? My, my favorite one from that is when they got Pat Morita. And um, they okay. did the karate thing. And he's like, my name's Pat effing Morita, you nutsack. <laughs> uh, there's uh, one of my favorite robot chicken jokes was the skit about getting souped. It's like, oh man, I got souped. Like, apparent people would do, like, fake uh, emergencies to get Superman to come save them. Get souped. And then finally it gets to the last one, and he's he's like, oh, oh gosh, you know, oh no, whatever we're going to do. Like, Superman, Lex Luger tied me to a bomb. Lex Luger, huh? The the wrestler tied you to a bomb? Is that what... What's going to happen? I guess you need me to save you so you can get souped. Is that what it is? No, he really did. And he stands there talking so long the bomb goes off. And he's standing there with a shocked look on his face. And then here comes a Lex Luger in the full-on, like, all-American uh, gear going, Go Lex! Go Lex! Uh, bonic forearm! Go Lex! Like, doing the cabbage patch as he danced in. Did they actually get Lex Luger to do that? I don't remember. I was laughing so hard at the joke, I didn't stop to listen. I mean, maybe. They, I mean, I know they did. I just know Hulk Hogan was, was on there a couple times. Mm-hmm. It was kind of... Um, whenever they did stuff like that, it was kind of reminiscent of... Um, uh, celebrity Death Battle. Oh, yeah, Celebrity Death celebrity Match. Death yeah. match? Yeah. Yes, there it is. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I... I I'm sitting here going, don't screw up the name, don't screw up, the, I'm going to screw up the name, don't screw it, and I did anyway. But what, um, what I like, kind to, of reminiscent of that, but 
but going kind of going back to the voice actor thing with Robot Chicken, but I like that attention to detail. I like, like, hey, we're going to do a Scooby-Doo sketch. Hey, Frank Welker, do you want to be Fred and make fun of yourself? Oh, God. Do you remember the um, the Friday the 13th joke where they got Don Knotts to play Don Knotts? I do remember that, I think. <laughs> Also, I'm sorry, man. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a couple in there um, just as a quick reference. I don't really want to talk about them, but I do want to talk about maybe some of the car- the original Cartoon Network originals that I think kind of paved the way for Adult Swim, which was Johnny Bravo, um, Cow oh, and yeah. Chicken, and Dexter's like block that they used to do on Fridays. Um, was Powerpuff Girls part of that? It came later. Like it was like the second wave. Well, it was in the initial wave with, um, because the initial wave of, I'm sorry, Matt, you keep trying to jump in and I apologize. I'll shut up in a second. Um, the initial wave was their fan voting for what the, the next, like basically which one they were going to pick up and had Powerpuff Girls, Johnny Bravo, uh, Dexter's Lab, Yucky Duck and Cow and Chicken, I think. And I think they ended up picking up most of them. I don't remember Yucky Duck, so that one uh, i think there were only two episodes but oh, okay. matt please go ahead i've been cutting you off too much i don't know if it was part of like that group that you guys were uh, referencing but i think a show that should get if we're, if we're talking about those shows that are kind of like pre-adult swim um that i would give kind of honorable mention to is courage the cowardly dog oh yeah which was a fantastic show um that's another show I, I need, really probably need to get on DVD. I, I just watched that because they have like a cartoon channel on Amazon you can pay a couple bucks for a month. So mm-hmm. I, I watched all of Courage on that. Yeah. Hmm. Holds up pretty good. Yeah. So my next, I didn't realize they had that service. Yeah, it's it's a couple dollars. They have like a, a, a crap load of Looney Tunes on there. They have, um, I think Johnny Quest is on there. A lot of the Hanna-Barbera stuff. Oh wow! And a lot of the the Cartoon Network stuff, but so I want to I want to kind of go into Aqua Teen Hunger Force by just talking <laughs> about who I think has an argument is maybe the greatest TV character of all time, and that's Carl. Because <laughs> we because <laughs> I, I loved Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, I just finished my thought. Like I I know I said like I loved Family Guy and Rick and Morty, but if we're talking like Shows that are kind of like distinctly uh, Adult Swim, shows that are kind of like really just weird, like either avant garde or just surrealist. Or like it, they just my did favorite probably of Aqu- acid beforehand. Yeah. yeah, it's probably Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Like yeah. I love that show, and Carl is phenomenal. I don't need no instructions to know how, no to, rock. how to rock. I like the the one where he gets the hair transplant. Though he's like. He's like, man, like my hair is different this morning. Hey, it's actually rocking a little harder. Or the, or the like, I call it. I want to rock your body. It in the parentheses to the break of dawn. <laughs> He's talking to the pretty obvious skeezer on his couch. The um. Oh, I'm going to one of my favorite gags from that show was when they Carl's house got haunted and they sold it to Glenn Danzig. Oh, yeah. And 
then Carl wanted his house back and Danzig wouldn't sell it. Like, no, this place is awesome. What's your problem? Wasn't wasn't it the ghost of Christmas present future doing it and then Danzig like make the walls bleed and he's like, I don't want to. Uh, I <laughs> yeah. think it was. That's okay, that's another there's so many wonderful gags from the thousands of years ago before the quickening. You know, there's <laughs> there's so many wonderful gags that Aquatine had that just kept being because they knew how to make a running joke and i loved that they could do a running they could do running jokes without without killing them and stay funny um just uh, i i'm just so impressed by they knew when to take their foot off the gas you know one of one of the earliest episodes i saw was one of the earliest episodes it was, the mummy's cur- curse and he's just like look he's not he that's was gonna coast yeah i was about there. to say that's Thank a pretty you. good meat wad that's that's the only voice i have any confidence left or in or my favorite i don't even remember what it was called now but the demonic sandwich that would oh say, the brood witch yes the brood witch he's like he's like is there mayo he's like there are not chickens evil enough <laughs> and then like he goes to hell at that one point and like those two like monsters are just talking about how their wives won't let them have their like brain and like skull collections yeah and it's like like literally they <laughs> well, drag love- that conversation on for like three minutes yep and the master for the brood witch master shakes like where's the bacon it's like that was the that was what the line was. Oh, yeah. There are no pigs evil enough. Yeah, you're to right. Be, to be slaughtered for bacon in a sandwich. It's like <laughs> you call this a sandwich. There's no bacon on it. Yeah, you're right. It, is, it was pigs. And there's and, so many like good throwaway yeah. ones. How about um? How about MCP pants? Yes. <laughs> who, sh- who showed up like four different times? I think MC Chris just killing it mm-hmm. in this stupid role that I think he wrote for himself. You don't, you don't understand. He used to just want candy, but now he's matured. He needs candy. What did he come... Oh, <laughs> like oh my god, I forgot. I Oh, Shad, like, that is that is one of the best lines from the whole show. Is like, no, he's matured, like, he <laughs> needs candy. <laughs> <laughs> There's That show just has so so many great gags and uh, I, I enjoy that I don't I'm really kind of impressed by how good their writers had to be to keep coming up with those things because it it seems so easy mm-hmm. to even, you know even, run it dry even like a throwaway. Uh, like one-off episode stuff, like uh, David Cross's Happy Time Harry. Oh yeah, like the, uh, just the press doll that he he like convinced the, convince the other doll Jiglin. to commit. Come Convince the other guy to like the other doll to kill itself. Yeah. And then when when Frylock is angry at him, he's like, "Hey man, he he did it himself. He chose that." No, you know what my favorite part so of that episode is is he does all that but then they go on that weird tangent about how um shake is gonna kill himself so he can become a highlander and he like just interjects like that's stupid like first you have to be a highlander <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, oh god, now I'm, um, I know they had one with Santa, but I can't remember the details on. I don't meet what. Okay, one of probably my my favorite episode was the one where they stole the shirt of Osiris from the uh, mm-hmm. from the museum. It's like this was the shirt of Osiris. He was largely regarded by others to be a dick. He got the shirt by opening a new account at an ancient bank. And the only one who can put the shirt on is Meatwad because it shrunk over the years so much. And he starts making his wishes, and there's Easter bunnies everywhere. <laughs> and he wishes he wishes to see Santa. And Santa has lived. He goes, it's the middle of June. When do you think I sleep? <laughs> Or the one where Meatwad goes to the Super Bowl because he had Boxy Brown with him. Oh yeah, Boxy Brown. <laughs> oh god, I, I, it's just I I need to watch it again, but I don't like. It's just it went on so long. Yeah, and then they got a movie. They had a movie. Which have you guys seen the movie? It's okay. I have not. It's all right. It's just it's like everything with Aqua Teen Hunger Force. It's just bizarre. But the, <laughs> the thing with um, Aqua, oh my gosh, I forgot other other characters on the show too. But the thing that gets me about that show is it, it makes me think of Monty Python, where they're they they really shine when you've got a whole because Aqua Teen was only what like fifteen minutes an episode. Yeah. Yeah. So you you just had these short bits that they could do. And they do this thing, and they make it funny, and then they they leave it alone. Like, they don't keep messing with it. Except for running gags. Gentlemen, behold! Mm -hmm. Corn! You know, every episode. And it didn't tie into anything. I think he disappeared after the first couple seasons, didn't he? uh, Maybe for a little while. And the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future. That's... Mm -hmm. um, Oh, and the uh, the the Moonanites, uh, and the Moonanites and the Plutonians. I almost forgot about them. I'm still I'm still a little upset that Space Cadets never happened past the pilot. Uh, which one was that? I, I don't. So that remember was the that. Moonanites and the Plutonians, and it was pretty much just the Moonanites like screwing with the Plutonians for 15 minutes. I, I would guess that they're probably in a place where they just they didn't think that it could carry on long enough. Like Aqua Teen had had built this broad enough base that they could do that, but then you want to pluck these people out and have the the primary crux of the show be the interaction back and forth. Sooner or later, it's gonna it's probably gonna bottom out before the other before Aqua Teen did. Well, I think my so that would be my. Remember, remember, remember though they did that joke with the movie Matt, where they were going to show the movie in its entirety on Adult Swim, and they did. Yeah. Except it was a picture in picture, and it was like the size of your thumb. Mm. <laughs> and the movie's also notable. That I think. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, and the movie's also I think most notable because they caused that Boston bomb scare with the viral promoting. Oh, they did. That was a moon and oh, Remember they they found it and then they they thought it was a bomb and there was a moon and night on it because it was supposed to like shine a moon and night into the sky at night. No, I don't remember this. 
That was probably 2007. No, that might have been 2000. No, 2007 is when that happened. No, I don't remember that at all. What were you going to say, Matt? Uh, The whole, um, them airing the movie, the Aqua Teen movie, uh, that was part of, that was one of their uh, uh, April Fool's Day stunts, which is something that uh, Adult Swim is known for and has been known for for like 15 years. Every April Fool's, they do something (laughs) It's like a special day, so they do something for April Fool's Day. Uh, one episode, uh, I think a couple of years, they actually, uh, instead of regular programming, as soon as it struck like midnight, they aired The Room. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they did that a couple of years. Um, uh, they've used it, I think, the last couple of years. They they haven't done like a, like a gag, per se, but they've used it to kind of either debut uh, – shows that were coming up or kind of give you a preview of uh, either new shows or, or, or new episodes of yeah. shows. and they do sometimes. I don't know if they still do, but back in the day, remember when Daylight Savings Time would take effect? They would do something special with that extra hour of programming they had. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, um, one of my favorite pilots they did, because I think they always kind of used like, a certain day for their pilots, I don't remember what it was yeah. called, but it was about nerds. And they, um, these two nerds get in a fight, and there's a crowd of nerds. And they start chanting ECW during it. <laughs> but um, I, I guess I just didn't watch enough. Oh, I, to to catch those. Things. I was I was deep into the weeds of Adult Swim for about five years. Like the I think I think where I started to tail off is like when. I got married and I had a house and I had like a more standard job with standard hours. Like you can't keep yeah. up with it as easy. Gotcha. But so I, I want to kind of go into some of the other, like what I would consider like the original lineup of shows. Like, so there's um Harvey Birdman, which is one of my favorites, like the first couple seasons. Also, um, C-Lab 2021, which has, I think the best, <laughs> the best episode, single episode that aired on an adult network. I mean, an Adult Swim network show <laughs> with the Bizarros. Bizarro! <laughs> I, um... I'm helping Bizarro! I'm helping Bizarro! I haven't seen that since it probably went off the air. And that was a great show. That was one of the ones that actually did, like, hook me. It's a fantastic show. I love the one where he, too, where he comes, like, he becomes Howling Mad Murphy and he's a shock jock. And he's just like he has that whole song to rip on um, Eric Estrada's character, and I think he just calls him Mailbox Head or something. I only watched one episode of C Lab. Um, I don't. It's not that I didn't didn't care or anything. It's just I only happened to watch one episode, but it was um, it was their Fantastic Voyage episode. When they I, I, they're floating around in the one dude's body to try and eliminate the virus or cancer or something, um, and and, and the uh, he's trying to go on a date and they're they're trying to blast these these cells or these viruses or something out of him and it keeps making holes in him. He's sitting at the dinner table at this Italian restaurant shoving breadsticks into the hole so he he quits bleeding. <laughs> And the thing that – here's the phrase that stood out to me. 
is every time they wanted to shoot someone, the same guy was always on the gun. He used the phrase, smoke that bitch. And you get to the end and someone yells at him to quit shooting. He goes, I don't answer that name anymore. I only go by my Native American name. He who smokes bitches. Pew, 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 pew. And, you know, uh, the one of the only times I can remember laughing that hard was watching the the probably last Robin Williams special. Like that, for some reason, that... Um, Okay, that's not that's not fair. There was a community joke that had me in absolute utter tears, but uh, that that just absolutely cracked me up. I, I don't know if it was just how I would that if it's if I were to go back and watch it, would it still be that funny, or was it just catching me the right way, or what? But oh god, that was that was a lot of fun. It, it was a great show, except that the guy that voiced the captain died suddenly. Oh. And then, Harry Gods, I believe. Yeah, and it just never—they never, they never knew, quite knew what to do after that. Like they brought in a new character, but I don't think it lasted very long after that. I mean, he pretty much was the show. Yeah, in my opinion, I would agree with that. Was he the one that they were floating around in his bloodstream? Probably. Or was it? I would okay. say probably, because that would be more funny than anything okay. else. Uh, Matt, did you like Harvey Birdman? Um, I did, and I watched a lot of it, um, but it's not one that, that, like, in the years since, I have really gone back to. Like, they still air, um, reruns of Aqua Teen. They don't air C-Lab, but if, if you were like, oh, you can watch all the C-Lab on, maybe they have it online, I don't know, but if you, I would, I would totally watch C-Lab again. I don't know that I would watch much of, um, of Harvey Birdman. HBO Max bought a lot of that stuff, but I think they they bought it all, but they haven't put all the episodes up yet. Hmm. Yeah. There was. I I, I I'll would watch, take the case. I I would watch maybe the first two seasons, but th- remember when they kind of started really doing Potamus too much, and he really couldn't carry episodes yeah. that they thought he could. Hmm. They had a really great um, voice cast for the show they did and i think um yeah they're pretty good about that though because like one i want to get into but i just haven't devoted the time to it but it it looks i've enjoyed what i've watched is the mike tyson mysteries has a really good voice cast i I have seen a lot of that um and i i don't i think that actually just concluded but that's a i actually think that's a great show uh if you guys haven't watched it it's a it's really fantastic mike tyson's very like self-deprecating on the show like he's he basically plays a character of himself but as someone who's like completely like just insane and and not very bright and you can tell like you uh, can tell like you can tell some of the jokes are shit tyson's like thrown in there just because like mm-hmm. oh yeah like this is when i was like you know this is something like that people would think i would do and it usually he's usually pretty dead on about it mm-hmm uh, they have like other good characters, like um, they have a very like flamboyantly gay ghost who works with them, and he's the Marquess of Queensberry. Um, and then the best, the best of course, is they have a pigeon, uh, a, a sex obsessed pigeon, who's also an alcoholic, and he's voiced by Norm <laughs> Macdonald. And <laughs> as with pretty much anything Norm Macdonald does. He's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, um, that's all. Yeah, never, never McDonald, guys. Yeah. 
That's that's on that's my, my list because I think that's I think that one's like one of their better ones of the new of like like one of more true to their original like shows than some of the newer stuff is. So the next on my list is one I did enjoy. I didn't see all of it, but I enjoyed the first couple seasons, um, which was the Boondocks. Um, I saw I saw a lot of that when it aired. I haven't seen much of it, although they, that is kind of back in the rotation kind of randomly on Adult Swim. Hmm. That's done by... Um, I want to get the name right. Is it Aaron Magruder? Yeah, I think yeah. so. And it was based on the comic strip that he did. Yeah, I remember his comic strip being in the comic section of the Sunday morning paper. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's all I got when it, really when it comes to boondocks, aside from some jokes here and there. I think my favorite... Like popped up in Botchamanias or something. I think my favorite it... character on that show mm-hmm. is um, Uncle Ruckus. Oh, Caracas was hilarious. Like my 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 endearing scene about that is, um, I think they open the show and he's he's dreaming and like Ronald Reagan's driving him around white people heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I love the uh, like the episode with Gangstalicious. Oh yes, I remember that. That's that's maybe the their best episode. They're um, allegedly rebooting that. That's that's one of the shows that HBO Max purchased so they're going to be doing new episodes um but i don't i don't know what they're going to do because uh grand granddad grandpa john witherspoon passed away in and, the last and like, ed year and asner probably uh, is getting too old to do that stuff anymore and he was a big part of it ed asner is he's still alive but i think ed asner is like in his 90s yeah and he was so like iconic to that but you, you can't mm-hmm. replace grandpa's voice either no you really can't. I don't know who they'd even get to play him. I'm not sure how that would play, though, be- now, because, like, I don't know if people would get, like, the weird, like, like, the the, the biting social commentary from all sides. Um, mm-hmm. Like, because that was a thing, like, some people I know didn't, like, thought it, like, didn't like it, but I'm like, but it's an equal opportunity offender. Like, he goes after everyone with the same viciousness. Yeah, but I don't think where people would like where it w- might have trouble now is the weird anime in- interjections, like the weird anime fight scenes that they'll just throw in there because he thinks it's funny. I don't know how that would mm-hmm. necessarily play now either. I don't know how it's going to play either. Then bringing it back, and I'll explain why. Because I understand why where some people might have criticized it because it's look, it's a it's a it was a show that a comic strip and then a show. That was done by Aaron Magruder. Aaron Magruder is African American, so it definitely, obviously, had uh, kind of the focus was upon the lives of these this African American family and these specifically these two African American kids. And you're right, like it it was very much like South Park that kind of just took everybody on. Like it it, it did not care. It poked fun at everyone. Um, mm-hmm. It covered themes of like social justice. It covered. Uh, it covered different topics like that, but it was very like tongue in cheek, and and I actually thought the anime added, adding the added, the anime segments added a lot to it, and it made it kind of a little bit surreal at points, which I think really kind of added to the charm of it and made it work. 
where I think it where it could run in pro- into problems, although maybe it'll be fine because I mean South Park still does it, is that I actually think now, like to the extent that they start critic that he would start criticizing kind of like the African American community or, or like left leaning causes, I don't know that people would like that now. Not in today's climate. Yeah, I don't think so either. Meanwhile, it's like it, again, the, he everyone it was like equal opportunity. <sighs> Well, South Park was too, and then they lost Isaac Hayes because he or someone at his estate got mad because they turned the lens his direction. Well, Um, just in general, we're at a weird point in like the culture where some we're just comedy itself. A lot of people just have issues with it because it's like a a lot of comedy obviously is is poking fun and stuff, but it's 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 meant to cause you to think it's meant to cause you to question things and people just want things to validate their already existing worldviews now and i think i think the problem it would have is south park can still do it but south park's been on Mm -hmm. the tv continuously so people just write it off as south park being south park and i'm not sure i'm not sure he could get away with that as much um Mm -hmm. and like i said like i'm kind of with you like it seems like that that um, everyone going in the barrel thing doesn't seem like it, like people get really offended now, and um, people like TV networks are really gun shy. So I don't know about that. Like that. Like oh, you thought that was funny? Like when I was making fun of that dude? Like well, you're in the barrel next, buddy. Like I don't know hmm. if that kind of style of comedy works on TV anymore. Or it may not for a while. Because I think I think the problem, like, I think Matt's kind of hinting at that, too, is, like, a lot of people seem to watch their entertainment to validate their belief system now, and they they aren't as capable at laughing at their, of the I mean, in fairness, in fairness, I actually think most people actually are totally fine. But, I, the, the, but it's, the, to me, though, the problem you run into now is, is I think most people are fine with that, but, like, you have to survive the Twitter blue checkmark brigade. Exactly. Like the, a writer from who writers who basically live in New York, never leave New York, only know like, you know, what's going on in Manhattan will be super offended by something that Aaron Magruder puts in like the new episodes. And so (laughs) they'll be writing the, their, uh, I don't know, their vulture articles or something about it. And just bitching about it, and then that's what you're going to see, like in the media. When meanwhile, like most people are probably like, "This is fine. It's funny." Yeah, and it's going to do. Like, it's, it'll probably it would it'll probably be doing like three million viewers, like be their highest rated show, and he'll probably be make like people will think it's hilarious, but not necessarily talking about it on Twitter. Yeah. So let's see. I, there was another show on here I wanted to talk about. Oh yeah, we're missing. There's tons of shows I want to talk about. Go ahead. We're missing. We're missing probably what I would say deserves to be top five of all time, and I know Shad's going to come in on this one. But Metalopolis. Oh, Metalocalypse. Metalocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I... hey, Shad. Yeah. Shad. I do cocaine. <laughs> I had Come down to Roxo, the rock and roll clown. I do cocaine. Uh, the fact that he would power slide into every frame for that first episode, 
Like he was just power knee slide into the frame for every every time he was supposed to come into his scene cracked me up. I just there's just such so many great lines that like when they do that they're recording in the submarine and they're asking he's like this song's name is Mermaider. It's about mermaid murder. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of of great gags that you wouldn't think like my wife and I will still use jokes from the first episode between the two of us on a regular basis. The um, <clears throat> the uh, food libraries, ah, food libraries. Yes, oh, it's called a grocery store. Um, we still do that to each other uh, occasionally. But it and and you, if you remember the cook from the pilot, that was Mark Hamill. Well, he had a recurring the, role. He's one of the generals on that show. Uh, so they just had him do... Of course, you've got Mark Hamill, and you're just like, hey, would you do this too? Um, but it, it was funny, because you just... Like, you take this metal band, and you're like, okay, what can we do to make this funny? It's like, we're just going to go amazingly over the top with it. And they do such a good job at it. I, I, I'm so impressed with how funny that is. Because um, it'd be really easy to mess that up, right? It's like, oh, we're going to go this way with it now. It's going to be wacky. It's going to be, and eh, we went too far. Yeah. We ruined it. I, that is like, you know what? I would have to put that in like maybe the top five. That that was just a fantastic show. I did feel um, it lost a little bit when they moved it from like 15 minutes to 30 minutes. Yeah, just and I could say that probably about some of the other shows. I mean, there's there's been a couple shows that they kind of expanded it, and I don't I don't think it helped. But um, I, I overall, I think it's just a great show. I like the um, there's so many like just good episodes and, and funny lines and stuff from it. Uh, <clears throat> Doctor Roxo probably is like the best. Doctor Roxo is <laughs> is just amazing meme fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he, he, I had his stupid song as a ringtone for a while, and I had to quit doing it because I kept laugh, I kept laughing when I'd answer the phone, and I'd get this, what's so funny? I'm like, oh, this is going to take way too long to explain. Um, but, and, and you know, okay, it's like, it's like, okay, we have this great idea for a funny episode. What is it? It's like, what if there's a rock and roll clown? And you go. That, that's a great idea for an episode a rock and roll clown it's like no 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 you don't understand he does cocaine it's like <laughs> you need to sell me on this a little bit more I mean Dr. Roxo is basically a David Lee Roth joke yes it's just this big long David Lee Roth joke mm-hmm. um, which at the time I didn't get right because like, uh, I don't know I just didn't get it but so if, if you look at it on the surface level and you're like uh Okay, but man, it just it just flies sometimes, and it's great that it can be. It's like Aqua Teen being punchy and short means they can they can take the joke, they can have fun with it, and then they can quit whenever they're going to run out of good stuff for it. Um, what was the one where they had to learn how to play? They went to go learn how to play the blues because uh, they lost their spark or something. Oh yeah, is that the one where they like uh, are making a deal with the devil? Yeah, you got to go to the crossroads. Yeah, so they they 
they make this deal with the devil, but uh, basically what they get their lawyers involved and everything and start haggling over every single detail. So at the end of the day, they actually get one over on the devil. The devil is kind of like, this isn't worth it. This isn't they, worth it. They didn't even get their lawyers involved. They just did it themselves. Oh, that's they're, right. I forgot. They're a crew of idiots. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you drop them in this legal setting and they know exactly how to negotiate contracts and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was just it was a really funny subversion. And they've got this this um Louisiana blues guy mentoring them. Yeah. He's like, You wanna play the blues, you gotta go to the crossroads and steal, sell your soul to the devil. It's like, Yeah, we still have our souls, plus we've got um I don't know, some percent of the devil's income or something like that. And it's like, Well, is that what is that what we need? And he's like, uh, you know what? I'm done. You you guys go ahead. I got nothing. Yeah. And they had a lot of really good stuff like that um what are some other ones the uh the the band manager manager they had who was trying yeah he was trying to moderate their behavior if you do a good job you get a banana sticker (laughs) oh i really i love i love it they um they made him basically like 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 a, a, a fucking ninja. <laughs> he would actually in, like he he basically could he he was world class like fighter assassin. Okay. The, the meta plot was that their uh, death clock was supposed to essentially bring about the apocalypse, but yeah. they were completely oblivious to it. And yeah. There were forces of evil that were kind of like trying to manipulate them, and and their manager Charles would have to like fight them back. But uh, yeah, it just it it's a really funny show. Um, Don't watch the thirty minute episodes though. They kind of, the format doesn't work over thirty minutes versus fifteen minutes. If you ask me. Yeah. But I think we that just, people, kind of everyone yeah. from what I've seen online, kind of everyone agrees that the thirty minute shows didn't quite work. Mm. But. I'm 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 checking something real quick because it's I, I remember the thing that initially gave me the heads up for um, for Metalocalypse was when they were in Guitar Hero Two and and uh, Thunder Horse was in it and I was just I was staggered because I was like I can't play this I play everything on medium didn't they put um, uh, didn't they put Carl doing his like guitar solo when he had the hair like the like there is um for guitar hero 2 i i'm gonna be honest with you i don't remember i do know guitar hero 2 has one of the best songs of all time that's not adult swim related but they have trogdar the burninator yeah trogdar the burninator is in there um while you look that and they have uh, oh are you i was gonna say they had a pretty decent cover well, it's it's a metal version of the Devil Went Down to Georgia. That's that's all right. Um, okay, I'm gonna throw this out there because I'm not a music nerd, but someone pointed this out to me, and it it kind of blew my mind whenever I went back and listened to it. But part of what happens with Devil Went Down to Georgia is that what Johnny plays is like an in, it's an inverted version of what the Devil plays. So. Uh, he ta- the devil plays this thing then Johnny takes what he played and flips it back around on him which is part of why Johnny wins 
<clears throat> which, you know, like if you if you do the Guitar Hero version, you're like, oh wow, uh, Johnny should not have won that. But it's it it's it's because uh, like the stuff that you're hearing is is not that's not the devil playing; it's his backers doing it, like all that stuff. But um, it, it's someone pointed that out to me and I was fascinated by it so I went to go look it up and you can kind of hear it if you know what you're looking for Futurama has a great um, joke based on the devil goes down to Georgia because um, I don't remember his name the the robot devil I think it's just who he's called challenges them to a a fiddling contest and he has extra arms come out um, and plays it super good and then they hand the the fiddle to Leela and she just beats the shit out of him with it <laughs> okay all right I appreciate the subversion but yeah um that might have been like a season one or two thing but I that, I still I love Futurama by the way like that's a show I probably rewatch maybe every five years um well, and Adult Swim brought that one back too, didn't they? Yeah, and then Comedy Central did new episodes, and then Sci-Fi bought it, and I'm pretty sure I don't know when it's on TV anymore. You know, I just I never got into Futurama. I never really cared for it. I understand that, and it's hard. It would be it would be hard now because, like Aqua Teen, like those um, a lot of the humor would would be difficult to go back to because it's based so much on that late 90s early 2000s internet that if um obviously we were there for so we'd have some remembrance of it but like the internet of that era is so different from what the internet is now like it kind of doesn't work anymore Mm -hmm. because like when you're making Uh, i never got into future matt i was just gonna say i'm with you i never got into Futurama either. I don't have any ill will towards it. It's just I never got into it. No, I get that. So, Matt, what would be some um what would be some adult swim shows you wanted to bring to the the forefront? There's like a ton. I mean I've I've watched it again since basically the very beginning. Um I'll go with the <laughs> let me go with a show that's that I th- was mentioned briefly earlier that I don't know if you guys watch but it has concluded but Super Jail do you guys, either of you guys watch that? I have, I, so I, 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 I was watching that era and I don't have like a lot of remembrance about it. What was it? What was it about? The concept, uh, is the, the show focuses upon, uh, the aforementioned super jail. It's this like extremely large jail complex that, uh, I think technically in the context of the show, it's supposed to hold like hundreds or th- or thousands of inmates and it's supposed to be like you know the worst inmates in the in the world uh and it's run by the warden that's like the only name he's ever given along with his staff but it is very like surrealist it is incredibly graphically violent um it's very like it's not it's very nonsensical there is there's aliens there's like mutants there's all sorts of just bizarre stuff but <laughs> it's graphically violent in the sense that there's whatever the plot of the the episode is uh and they only did like i i think they only did like 15 minute episodes although i think by the end they i don't know that might have been one of the ones that like expanded i forget but 
every the end of every episode was basically some sort of like something happening where it would just wind up you'd just wind up seeing like hundreds of people <laughs> just brutally slaughtered <laughs> for example like there was um one episode there was something where like people got shrunk down and so then it's just like them getting like brutally slaughtered by like bugs because <laughs> they were like miniature size it's just an absolutely just bizarre ultra violent show that was kind of more in like the surrealist vein and i feel like a lot of adults from shows are they kind of merge into that completely bizarre like surrealist like you said brad just i dropped a ton of acid before i wrote this because yeah. it's just it just you wonder how the hell they come up with some of the stuff like that was a <laughs> that was a show i enjoyed you you realize just coming into this cold it's like you, you get to the end of it and like, yeah in the course of it and you kind of start chuckling like lots of people are brutally murdered and i'm sitting here going eh, sometimes i'm glad we do this remotely <laughs> Well, I mean, like, um, if you think about it, though, Aqua Teen Hunger Force was graphically violent at times, too. I, I know. I'm just making it. I'm I'm trying to make it. It's let me put it this way: it's way more cartoony in its violence. Like the 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 violence is like completely graphic, but it's one of those over the top ones where it's like, like you'd see a uh, you'd have like an inmate like. Uh, maybe like if it's like a monster rampaging through the jail, like that's the that's the big finale, and he's murdering like millions of people. Okay, millions, but you know, like hundreds of people. Uh, he, he, it's like I'm gonna grab like your head, and I'm gonna like yank, and all of a sudden I'm pulling your head, and your entire skeleton comes off. Wait, it's like that's just that's graphic violence. It's also like that's kind of like old cartoony type of violence. Right. Whereas I feel like the ultra violence that you would see in um. Metalocalyx was way worse because that was that's that's true. That was, I mean, obviously it's a it's an animated show, but it was almost done like more realistic style. Kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah I that, I I was looking at that one. I'm like, you know, I might have to watch this show because it sounds interesting. I don't know how I missed it. It was a I enjoyed it. it was it was to me it was it was amusing in a very bizarre way. Yeah, um, hold on, I'm just... Wanna know why, Morty? Because he crossed me. Okay, take it easy, Rick, that, that, that's dark. Oh, it gets darker, Morty. Welcome to the darkest <laughs> year of our adventures. First thing that's different, no more Tad, Morty. Oh, he threatened to turn me into the government, so I made him and the government go away. Oh, I've replaced them both as the de facto patriarch of your family and your universe. Your mom wouldn't have accepted oh, me if I well, came Well, I thought this was gonna be sister, more about the satchel on sauce. <laughs> There we McDonald's because of that rant. I mean, but in I but they McDonald's screwed that up though. That that was dumb the way they handled that. 
Well, I mean, people shouldn't have lost their minds, but like McDonald's, I don't remember the entire thing, but I remember they um they botched that pretty good. Yeah, they, uh, they, they hyped it. They were going to bring back the dipping sauce on like one day for like one day. And it turned out and people actually went to it and were looking for it. And then turned out it was it was at like, you know, like a handful of stores and they didn't really share like where those were going to be. So they people, under, like, underestimated he, demand, too. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. People kind of did flip out, but it's like and they shouldn't have. But it's also like if you if you're going to do a cross promotion with a, a popular show. That has a degenerate uh, fan base. Let's just throw it in there. At least, yeah, like, I, like, well, well, it's all going to be at these uh, select locations, so please go to these locations for the dipping we'll, sauce. We'll have the cops on standby. It, yeah. it got a bit blown out of proportion, though, because some of the outrage they were doing, like, they were pissed, but some of the stuff that got, like, reported, like, they were being earnestly, like, disruptive, they were just being, like, kind of assholes and, like, funny about it. And, like, they were, like, referencing stuff. But, like, I think what happened is, like, some, like, the locations that did have it, have it, like, had, like, a limited amount. Like, 20 people could get it, and, like, 200 people showed up. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean by underestimating. I mean, look, if you overproduce, then what do you get to do? You just get to be like, hey, guess what? We decided to extend it. And you just run the promotion a little bit longer, and you're set. Yeah. But... But, um, so, I well, the other thing I love about Rick and Morty, and it's something that their fans have actually embraced, and I laugh every time someone copy-pastas it, but the the Rick and Morty's for very smart people copy-pasta, which oh. I always laugh oh, yeah. at. What is it? You you have to have a very high cue to yeah, understand Rick and Morty? It's, it's yeah. Nietzsche, like that stuff. Like that, I I laugh every time someone whips that out. It, it's funny because there are some people that are are doing exactly, you know, they're they're just playing to the joke, and then there are some people that I don't know. They seem to be taking that seriously. There are, and the problem the problem you the problem you have though is it's hard to tell because some people are doing it ironically and some people aren't. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like quoting Reddit memes to someone that you're talking to in person. Like, it's funny for a minute, but don't just keep doing it because that that joke's gonna go into the ground real hard, real it's, fast. Have you watched much of it, Shad? Because I know I know Matt and I can go on a lot about it. Uh, no, you could. You guys could go on about it, and I could go to the store and come back. <laughs> no, but I mean, have you have you watched much of it? Like. I haven't. It's um, my wife actually loves it. Um, as a show, because it does like uh, I think what it excels at is it it just tells stories very well. Like um, season three where their parents get divorced, and part of like Jerry's character journey that people missed is Jerry had to learn that he's a piece of shit like everyone else in the world. And once he came to accept that fact about himself, like that's when he could be with his family again. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was told very subtly, but like it, it was told well. Or, or which the secret, one of the secret like undercurrents <clears throat> of the show that pops up every now and then is like Rick secretly does love Morty, but he would never say it. 
Well, I, I haven't, um, I haven't seen the entire episode, but the the season four finale is, it's it's it very depressing. Like the end of it is basically it's he Rick realizes what a like completely shitty father slash granddad he's been. Um, so he does understand, like he has, he does have clear like emotions towards his family, even though he tries to play off very like nihilistic, nothing matters. Uh, there is, there is for sure that I, I feel like because it, because of some of the fan base, like it does get, uh, a reputation. Sh- yeah. It kind of gets shit on a little bit. It's like, no, it's actually a really good show and there's yeah. actually like layers to it. And I actually say like the even though there's a lot of like nonsensical stuff and bizarre stuff that happens in every episode, the the overall meta plot that they're going with, I actually think is fascinating. And I think hopefully whenever they do pay it off, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, because like um, I think the best episode every year is the the Council of Rick stuff. Yeah, but which is that's the meta plot yeah. advancing. Yeah, and um, but what one of my favorites is when <laughs> they go to they do that thing with that superhero team. And Rick set all these traps because he got really butthurt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's going yeah. on this heartfelt, like, I love you, man. And he's going through all this stuff. And Morty, like, starts crying because he thinks he is. And then, really, Rick was talking about the janitor. And Morty's like, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, man. The Vindicators? Yeah, the Vindicators. I don't remember the janitor's name, though. <clears throat> And they'll do weird, like, callbacks. Like, there was the side character when they did, like... They did, like, an Aliens-esque episode. And one of the... One of the characters they threw in that you thought was supposed to be, um... Fake was Mr. Poopy Butthole. Oh, yeah. And then, um... Oh, Total Rickall. Yeah. That is maybe my favorite episode of the show. Because I love... What, Mr. Poopy Butthole. Yeah. Because, like, so they, they have to figure out, like, if the person's real or not. Because they have to recall a bad memory about them. And the, um... The one with um, I'm, I'm, with um, Beth and Jerry was they were getting attacked by a homeless person and Jerry jumped in the car and locked her out while she's getting accosted yeah. by a homeless person. But so, uh, being chased by a homeless dude wielding a uh, a broken bottle as a knife. <laughs> yes, but so they so you, the whole episode is built around you thinking Mr. Poopy Butthole is the imposter. So Beth shoots mm-hmm. him and he like just freaks out. It turns out Mr. Poopy Butthole was real. He starts bleeding to death yes. in front of them. But so they don't say anything about him for like a season and a half. And then they finish one season and the Mr. Poopy butthole like comes on. And he's like, I just wanted you guys to know like about my recovery. Yeah. He's kind of like a, a cult uh, character at this point. Yeah, he is. Oh, wait. Noob Noob was the janitor, by the way. Oh, Noob Noob. Yep. Yeah. And they did, um, I actually thought that was really touching the end of season two where Rick gives himself up so the family can get away and they're playing hurt by nine inch nails as they're like wheeling him into the prison. Like I thought that was mm-hmm. really touching. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm dead. Again, for someone who hasn't seen the entire episode, I, I, I've seen like the ending of the season four finale and they actually play like an original song, like there's a, I guess a dude who does music for the show. Um, and they played this song, uh, over the, the last bit of it where it's like, it's Rick, but just being completely depressed because he realizes again, what like a shitty 
person he's been to his family and it's a it's kind of just like a uh like a synth wave retro wave song it's very like reminiscent of like the 80s but it's oddly emotional so you're like whoa this is like a for a, a comedy show that has things like uh like a talking crocodile or a guy turning himself into a pickle or a, it's a, a character it, named bird person. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's an oddly moving finale. Yeah. I, I, I've only seen the first episode of season four. Um, I don't know why we haven't gotten to that yet. I kind of like to marathon watch it. I feel like it, it works better. Like when you can take in a couple episodes at a time, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's a, I think that's, um, I think, like, probably as far as mainstream, that's probably their most mainstream show. Even more so than I think the Boondocks ever got. Yeah. Is there any other ones that you wanted to to mention? I So, we've talked a lot about um, the animated programs. Well, I will call it... I, before I move into like the live action stuff, I will say we are forgetting a really big one that's technically, I guess, still ongoing. Uh, Venture Brothers. Oh, I meant to talk about that. Yeah, that's I, a big I, one. I'm aware of it, but I, I, it's another one I just it's, never got into watching. It's a weird show because like it it doesn't it comes out very. It can go a couple years between, but like <laughs> it um it it'll just change genre like for a season and it does it yeah well. it started it started off as a parody of obviously of a the old i think it was hannah barbera but the old johnny um, johnny, johnny quest. quest show yeah yeah but it's gone so far off the reservation i haven't even seen like the last like couple like two three seasons probably because it's it it does come out kind of like sporadically and i watched like the first three or four seasons uh fairly consistency and loved the show but it, since it since it takes so long between, like I, I completely lost. Yeah, I know. Track. It loses that juice when you have to wait three years for it. But yeah. I, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a contentious <laughs> statement. Brock mm-hmm. Sampson is Patrick Warburton's best role. That's uh that that probably is true. Patrick Warburton has actually done a lot of good voiceover stuff. I really enjoy Patrick Warburton. I haven't seen enough Brock Sampson to agree or disagree with that, but. I really enjoy Patrick Warburton. It would go for me. It would go. Brock Sampson would be his best role. Probably Putty would be his second best role, and then Kronk would probably be his third best role. See, I don't like Seinfeld, so I got nothing to say on that one. But it, just the... watch if you want to see him in Brilliance, the one where they go to the Rangers playoff game and he shows up in the Devil's face paint, and he's just like a total dick the whole time is hilarious. Um, I, I enjoyed him a lot in, um, I, I haven't seen Emperor's New Groove either, but he did, um, uh, he had the live action tick, which was great. What else do I remember him from? He's been in a lot of stuff. I cannot, he's been in a lot of stuff and well, now I can't put my finger on it. He's consistently in Family Guy. Is oh yeah, that's another great role. Just yeah. Watson. Yeah. Yeah. There's something else that I... I have to look this up. But what I love Hang about on. Brock Sampson, though, is just like the, um, because that show does violence like so well, just because they go so absurd with it at times. Mm-hmm. But just like, 
Um, his girlfriend from Russia, like they're back and forth over the seasons. And um, uh, I just love that show. And like the dad is just such a scumbag. Mm-hmm. And the kids are well. I guess I guess that's kind of like the 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 joke is that the kids are like just clones he makes that get killed every now and then. Yeah. All right. There's Seinfeld, The Tick, Rules of Engagement, News he's, Radio. He was an archer. That might be. Yeah, Emperor's New Groove, Venture an Brothers, Rip Riley. Oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> What what, what did he call it? The Grey Goose here. She's not meant for long flights. She's an island hopper. She hasn't got that kind of fuel. (laughs) There's a couple of lines from Archer I use every day. Son of a gun! I knew it! He did two voices for League of Legends. He was um, Zack, and then he was the old Volibear voice. I knew it! Gone. There, Sorry. There's two lines from Archer I use all the time. It's um, take him away. I have no love left to give today. And then there's um, you have sown the wind and you shall reap the berry. <laughs> yeah, they're berry. Uh, I I end up using uh, phrasing a lot. Oh yeah, that's a good one. And um, I do slightly dang- darker black a lot because my wife and I were like uber fans for like the first five seasons. So like there's like there's funny stuff we say, like, I'll just be like, does it come in slightly darker black and sweet Jesus, the goggles. Oh, and you can even feed the slightly darker back all the way back to the Aquatine thing. No, I'm the drizzle. I want the business cards to be black on black. I don't care if it shows up or not. And uh, my two favorite episodes of Archer, though, are the one with uh, Countess Von Fingerbang <laughs> and um, the one where Pam gets abducted. <laughs> I love that so much. And, but, she, yeah, it's like, what are you still doing over there? It's like punching a brick. Like, maybe you can ask your boyfriend for your husband for a roll of nickel. No, I love about that, though, and I don't remember what it was because they tatted something specific on her back, but she would only yeah. offer, like, $500. It's like, I'm going to take $500 out of your ass. And, like, Mallory's yeah. like, isn't anyone going to help us? And, like, nope. Hang on, because I, I know what you're talking about with the tattoo because she also has uh, hash marks on the back for how many people she killed well, they did hilarious. in the underground bum fighting. They did some it is... some hilarious stuff. Like, remember Babu the Ocelot? Yes. He's named after some like um, Ottoman Empire guy's pet ocelot from like the 1920s. Yeah. They they have a lot of really clever references. The the um the tattoo on Pam's back is a Lord Byron poem for the angel of death spread his wings on the blast and uh, breathe in the face of the foe as he passed and the eyes of the sleepers wax deadly and chill and on their hearts but once heaven and forever grew still. She's got that tattooed all the way down her back with 13 hash marks of people she killed in unlicensed underground bum fights. Oh, and Krieger's great too. He's like, so Krieger's still taping bum fights? Like... No, I'm into something darker. <laughs> they called Krieger to help get rid of the body. 
at Mallory's apartment. <laughs> oh, where, where's where's Krieger? He might be hard at work. Literally. Ew. Oh God. That's not an adult swim show, but it feels like it should have been one. Yes, it. it I legitimately thought it was. Um, but it's it, it's fascinatingly even the stuff where it quit like when they had to take a hard left because they didn't want to use the name ISIS anymore, you know, for reasons. Yeah. Um, they still managed to salvage pretty well by going into the vice thing. Now I didn't follow it after that because I just didn't have access to it, but it's still fun. They kind of death sentenced it with um, sending it to FXX. Oh, shame. I'm going to take this time to talk about one I do love because it's still H. John Benjamin. And the reruns do air on Adult Swim, technically. But um, a show that I actually like, I don't think it's the best show, but where I think it really really excels is if it's not being funny, the characters are interesting enough to keep you invested in the show. Um, And that show is Bob's Burgers. Oh, yeah. You know, I I never got into that show. It's not... I don't dislike the show. Um, I just never really got into it. And I've seen, like, many episodes. I could see where people do like it, but it just never grasped me. I'm kind of in the same spot. Like, I I appreciate it, and H. John Benjamin seems to have the ability to make just about any line he reads funny. But um, the... It's one of those that... I don't know. I think I've run into too many people who have been way too into it, and yeah. I'm just I'm kind of like, oh, let's let's. The problem, the problem with little. it is like the Uber fans that like the things they rep about the show aren't the funny parts of it. Like they all do like the Louis stuff with like the bunny ears and stuff, and that's how you can tell an Uber fan. But the actual like funny child is Tina being like unrepentant, <clears throat> just like pervert. And, like, she wrote, like, she, like, writes, like, fan fiction or just writes about, like, grabbing boys' butts and stuff. Or she's, like, writing, like, like, erotic fiction. She's, like, and their butts touched. Like, stuff like that. That early episode where she was going to, to the Capoeira class, I used to do that before, you know, my body ended up um, breaking in several places. I had a friend... Uh, email me with a link to that episode, and he's like, "So is, do you, do you smack people in the face with your ponytail in class?" And I was like, "I don't, I don't have a ponytail." He said, "I thought maybe you got issued one just for class." You should have been like, "Dude, it's Kentucky. Like, we we don't do ponytails here. It's all mullet, baby." You know, there's not as much mullet as you might think. Really? Maybe that's yeah. Like, there's maybe that's like an East Tennessee thing. Well, I'm not saying there's none, but there's just not as much not as much mullet as you might think. Um, yeah, I understand if people, because there's some folks that call it a Kentucky waterfall or a Tennessee waterfall or something like that, but there's just not that much mullet floating around. You know what's funny is by my travels, and I, I know Matt might have something to say about this, but like I found um, I found parts of Virginia to be much more like redneck hillbilly-ish than I found Kentucky or Tennessee to be. I haven't been. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, 
Oh my just, god, that sigh was hilarious. <laughs> Matt just got like real uncomfortable real fast. I no, I will say this. I have not been uh I've only been to Tennessee once. I've not been to Kentucky. So I don't I, I can't compare them really. Uh and the only place in Tennessee I've been to is Nashville, which is not very like redneck. No, that's but, like the LA uh, of of the Midwest. I will say though, is uh once you get outside of northern Virginia and by outside, I mean you literally just have to drive like probably an hour south of DC, and you are hitting like the rural areas. Like you are, you are like, and I mean, my wife and I were in um, in like Central Virginia uh, not that long ago, and driving around, it, it's it is more rural, and we saw like like some Trump signs on the road, and it's like, well, that's not you don't see that <laughs> you don't see those in Northern Virginia. So yeah, it gets uh it gets a little more I don't know how to say redneck, but it gets a little more uh country. Yeah. It, it's and it's very um you feel like if you're driving through parts of Virginia, you feel like you might be carrying a ring to Mordor, like that's how like dense the mm. woods and stuff can get. So yeah, okay. I'm I'm gonna hypothesize something, and I don't have much to base it on. But it seems to me, at least especially for the areas that I have frequented and that sort of stuff, that in East Kentucky and, um, you know, East Tennessee and stuff like that, that you are you're finding more Appalachian culture as opposed to, you know, generic redneck yeah, culture. Yeah, you get that. You get that in um, parts of southern Ohio too. Like if you start getting into like the Cincinnati area and like um, kind of that southern part of the state, like it it's very different from the central and northern parts. So if uh, for okay, yeah, I would not have expected that I'd be doing this on this episode of the podcast but just a little little quick background for anybody out there that might not know um whenever i say appalachian culture uh, first of all i'm dead serious you have a culture of that was sequestered for so long because either a uh it was hard to get to because no one built roads there or b um Basically, people have wrote it off, and they're like, oh, you know, only ignorant hillbillies live there, so they don't pay attention to it. That's why you're going to find people who, are, like, still want coal to come back is because that's, that's the only thing that's ever come in there that people have, like, consistently made a living large scale off of. And, like, it, but, and like for – especially in some of those areas, like, if it's not coal, like, they don't have, like, options to do anything else without – like just uprooting and no, going somewhere else. And they can't afford to just uproot and go. But that means that this these people who lived in this sequestered lifestyle for so long <clears throat> have like they have a culture there that is first of all the the speaking style is closer to the speaking style that was spoken at Independence Hall when they were signing the declaration than anywhere else. They didn't speak like Queen's English stuff. They they had that drawl going, and since they had, it had been so insular and isolated, there's a whole bunch of traditions and and that sort of stuff that are you know that are there 
it's it's a very you're, you're going to see there's a lot of distrust of outsiders and stuff like that. It's because, well, the only reason people from the outside ever came in was to either make fun of them or try to take advantage of them. So the fact, you know, not trusting outsiders, not trusting the government, um, doing things that fly under the radar a lot, like, you know, moonshine and, yeah. and growing pot and stuff like that. And, and you have to so, understand, too, like, just to, I want to give some context to the not trusting the government thing, like, a lot of these people, the government doesn't give a fuck. They have to do everything for themselves. Yeah, you get a lot of that. Yeah, so... Um, and so, there's... It has a distinct culture, and I don't know, but I suspect that there is less of that that culture on the other side of the Appalachians because there was more access. As people pushed outward from the coast that became more well traveled and more accessible than when you got into the the high Appalachians and through the passes to the other side makes sense okay alright I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna quit talking now that's fine that's a, that's um that I I always enjoy the distinction because there is a distinction and I don't think people realize the um the distinction. There's redneck, there's hillbilly, there's um Is it can I ask a question? And then there's white trash. There's <laughs> these are all different things. Is there a difference between a hillbilly and a hilljack? Uh hilljack is a dialect. Okay. <laughs> I thought you'd know because I've heard people refer to people's hilljacks before, and I thought they were just like being clever on the hillbilly thing, but I didn't know if it was like a legitimate difference. It's or not. it's it's um it's a style of speaking that, if I remember correctly, has like no hard consonants in it almost. Okay. Like so, there you go. The only the only dialect I really struggle with is um. If you get someone like from like deep Louisiana and they have that deep Cajun accent, like a Creole yeah, type of, because I worked with a dude, yeah. and he got on the thing and like he was the nicest dude, but I couldn't understand a thing he said because they like, um, it's just tough. It's like that one character out of the Water Boy. Yeah. <laughs> I said. I said Creole a second ago, but technically Creole is an actual language. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> but kind of that, yeah, associated with the Bayou accent yeah. kind of thing. I mean, you'd be surprised. Like, my family originally is from Augusta, Georgia, which is, like, northern Georgia. And my wife, uh, who's from San Antonio, Texas, like, when she when she met them, like, and for a while afterwards, she was like, I sometimes can't understand what your parents are saying. Because they're and their accent, they've been in DC for like thirty years, but they kind of never lost their accent. Yeah. And I, it didn't. It was kind of like a like a surprise to me because it's like, well, it would make sense. I understood my parents perfectly because mm-hmm. you know I grew up with them. I heard I heard that accent my entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't strike me that said someone else from a, like a different part of the country might think like, well, their accent's pretty thick. I can't yeah. quite understand certain words because I mean. The way just uh, just typically like a southern type of accent, like there is like a drawl sometimes, like certain words. There's like different inflections. Yeah, I have a similar. I oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Um, no, you're fine. I don't. I don't have 
uh, I don't really have much. I don't really have that accent because I grew up in the D.C. area. But there's certain words <laughs> that I do. I talk. I will say like like my parents did. Like I like I'm I'm an attorney. But when I say the word lawyer, I have to I have to consciously like enunciate lawyer because what I usually draw it together and it sounds like I'm saying liar. Uh, okay. So liar. I'm like, I, yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a liawyer, and it's like it, a, sounds like it sounds like I'm saying I'm a li- I'm a liar, but it's not. I mean, like, no, no, you you don't get it, man. I'm a liar. I practice law. So I, yeah. I have a similar story to you, except I was much younger. So my grandmother was um, a World War II war bride. So she came over to America from England whenever the war ended. There's a whole there's a whole story for that because I guess you had to stay. So funny story about that is um, you pretty much had to wait to get processed when you came over. So she had to sit on a boat like outside of like the country for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, obviously she's from England, <laughs> and my wife met her the last like she she died. I think my wife met her a couple times before she died. So, but she said like, but someone, she, you know how they used to do like way back. I don't know if your schools did it, but you could like bring your grandparents to school or whatever. Um, so she came to one of those and one of my friends came up to me afterwards. Like, Oh, I love the way your grandmother talks. Like she has that great, like British accent. And like, it, it like blew my mind. I'm like, wait, she has an accent. Like she just talks the way she talks. Yeah. And I still don't hear an accent. Like I asked my wife about it because I remember that, and she's like, she was like, well, like no, like you could tell she's Americanized a lot. The only time that the British really came out is when you're when she asked your mom for some tea, and I'm like, of course. Yeah, yeah. I I have a friend who lives in the Cincy area who was, uh, she was a transplant from England. Mm during high school basically and she'll kind of switch back and forth she'll go from you know pretty good you know not very accented to all of a sudden like dang near cockney sometimes (laughs) depending on what's going on and I, i don't know if she's doing it intentionally or not we uh we said we we went to a wedding with a an old roommate of mine who was even more into the Scottish heritage stuff than I am. Um, and he had a, he had had a friend who was a like full bore, you know, immigrant from Scotland, uh, who did bagpiping for special events. And there was this girl sitting at our table, God bless her, who I don't, I don't know if she paid attention to what happened around her or not, or, you know, if she, I want to say this nicely, but when I, I tell you this story, which I promise you is is full bore true, um, she would she was sitting there talking to to the piper, who goes from the super thick Scottish brogue talking to this this one woman, and then will turn and answer somebody else in like perfect Midwestern English without a hint of accent. And this other woman never caught on. I don't know how, but I, I can, yeah, that that's a long way of, of saying that I have a similar story. 
it's 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 just weird like how like you grow up hearing people a certain way and like it just like how it, your brain registers it different isn't it yeah yeah pretty much so it's like so I, i've been we kind of we kind of went off on our own little rabbit hole there but um i was trying to think of some other shows from adult swim that i remember and i a couple I remember um, that I don't know if you guys watched. Uh, Shad might have seen some of it because it's H. John Benjamin. But uh, Frisky Dingo, I think, is one of their more underrated shows. I remember that show. Uh, I, don't, I uh, didn't see very much of it. I just remember they did the Shaft thing on that. He was in a church and they are like, he's like, that Jesus is one bad. And people are like, shut your mouth. He's like, what? I'm just talking about the Christ. <laughs> and H. John Benjamin would deliver it perfectly. I don't remember if he was H. John Benjamin. I know he was on that show because oh, he was... was also Lucy, Daughter of the Devil, <laughs> which I never cared for. I think he was in that too. Did Did I ever tell you guys about the uh, the jazz album that H. John Benjamin made? Yeah, we've talked we've talked about okay. that before. Then I'm not going to bring it back up. I'm not going to do that to you. Guys. I think we talked about <laughs> it on the regular cartoon episode. Okay. All right. In which case, I'll let that dog lie. Now, do you guys remember when, like, Comedy Central and um, Spike and stuff were trying to mimic Adult Swim in the early days because of its, like, early successes? Uh, Vaguely, I feel. Can you give me some examples just so I've got a point of reference? So, for Spike TV, that's when they, like, revived Ren and Stimpy and they brought Stripperella out. Oh, yeah. And then um, <laughs> Comedy Central didn't try it with new shows. They tried it with like repeats, like they brought in um, like the critic and undergrads and stuff. Uh, I remember both of those, but I think I watched them on their original go round. They had Dilbert too. I never watched uh, the Dilbert show. It's a weird show. Like it's not bad, but it's. I don't know. It's not the. I don't think that's the way I would have approached a Dilbert show, even though I did enjoy it. But that was more in the early days when um, Adult Swim was like using a lot of older shows as repeats. Like they were doing like the the Oblongs and um, Faith Hill. No, Faith Chapel was that what it was called? I uh, don't know. It's the one where the the brother was justin's avatar for like the first 15 years i knew him and i still think of like that avatar when i think of justin it's like the younger brother living with the older brother and like they have that weird roommate or whatever i am completely lost (laughs) i'm lost okay um i'll look that up later well no i think i have the programming block here talk amongst yourselves why I look this this up. I didn't think I was going to mention. That. Um. Well, I'm, I'm. I remember the critic from like late. Mission Hill. Ooh. Oh yeah, I, I remember that show. Sorry, I, I still I got nothing that for one, you. Right? I didn't watch much of it, and I actively hated the oblong, so I never watched that. Uh, do, were there any other 
actively hated that uh, are worth mentioning? I didn't like Moral Oral. I didn't really care for that show. I never really watched much of that. I didn't like... I had a... Matt's probably going to, like, want to stab me for this one, but I never cared much for Tom Goes to the Mayor. I'm not going to stab you. The, I like... I. So I initially didn't like anything that uh, that those two guys did. Uh, it's Tim and Eric, isn't it? Tim and Eric, but what are their full names? Was that the uh, one that it it was like um, like the super like slow frame animation change thing? Yeah, yeah they they're almost okay. like yeah a, that was not not for me. They're almost mm. like. Um, <clears throat> pieces of paper cut out on a backdrop weren't they yes yeah yeah um it's tim heidecker and eric wareheim who they've subsequently done like a bunch of shows uh tim and eric awesome show good job they've kind of become a, like, like a tv media empire based off of adult swim honestly yeah they have a lot they've got a lot of stuff going and they're um it's a lot of surrealist humor it's sometimes it even goes into basically like anti-humor even at points where people don't know anti-humor it's basically it's 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 kind of so bizarre that it's it's not funny it's not meant to be funny like uh, traditionally the humor is that it's it's just so awkward or bizarre uh they're at a choir taste though so if, if you're like oh, i didn't care for it it's like that's i feel like most people <laughs> don't care for it but and yeah i feel like yeah, they um, have enough of an audience i feel mm-hmm. like I feel like I don't know about their later stuff because it's just it's not my thing. I might try it at some point, but I feel like Tom yeah. goes to the mayor was a poor execution of it, or like a they hadn't quite found their voice yet. Yeah. Uh, Tim and Eric awesome show that uh, that deserves an honorable mention for no other reason than giving us the fantastic character that is Doctor Steve Brule played by John C. Riley, And if you're not familiar with, with John C. Riley playing Dr. Steve Brule, like there's uh, I think there's clips on like YouTube that are easily accessible. I'll have to check it out. He played, he's basically just like an incredibly naive, like socially awkward, uh, late night, like quote unquote doctor who does a, basically like a late night public access show where he just, uh, focuses on different, topics but he just winds up getting into just bizarre situations and it's funny it's again it's, it's more like uh kind of nonsensical stuff there's a great it's a great episode where he's like he wants to eat sushi, sushi but he pronounced it sushi okay and he has a weird way of talking he's like we're gonna try some sushi with and then he's like we got some fish, some rice, and guacamole. And he thinks it's guacamole, but it's actually wasabi. <laughs> so he takes like this huge bite of it, thinking oh, it's like no. uh, eating delicious, and then it just burns. I'm sure that that joke came out of someone seeing someone actually do that. You're, you're reminded me of a, one of my favorite Futurama lines. It's the first appearance of Zap Brannigan. He's like, "Can I interest you in some champagne?" Yeah. <laughs> You know, they they did or, or the uh, yeah the Continental from SNL. You know, like some champagne. You you know, 
Honestly, like the commercials for that show always made it look bad, but you're at, you're honestly selling me on the show. Like I might have to check it out after this. Yeah, uh, John C. Riley uh, is a, actually a fantastic actor because he can actually pull off a lot of really good dramatic roles. But he is an absolutely hilarious comedic actor. <laughs> I know you guys don't like Will Ferrell, but oh, I really no, love... I like Will Ferrell fine. Okay. My wife I, doesn't. I love I love Step Brothers. I think that's a really good. And he was also like John C. Riley was really good in um, Talladega Nights. Yes, he was. He's just a really funny, dramatic guy. If, if you, this is even bizarre. If you, if if you saw like uh, Kong Skull Island, with the the recent, it's on my to do list. I, I I bought it like when it was um, only a couple but bucks on Amazon Prime, but I haven't watched it yet. That's like on my to do list. He plays a more like comedic role in that too, and he's great in that. He's just a he's a really good actor. My favorite John C. Riley, like he, I really enjoyed him in Talladega Nights, mm. but my favorite John C. Riley is his starring role in Walk Hard. Oh yeah. He, okay, uh, everything in that movie is a joke about something else, but he pulls it off so well. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's too cold. He's going through the withdrawals, and then he has to rip a sink off the wall. Like it, that. I went into it knowing what it what I, I went into it thinking I knew what I would run into. I I was pleasantly surprised by it being better than I thought it would be. You know, I was just thinking um, I was just thinking over this, but I I totally forgotten two of the original lineup shows kind of spun out of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Uh, which two? So Aqua Teen Hunger Force. They appeared as the Aqua Teen Hunger Force in an episode. And then, um, it didn't, I don't think it directly led to Harvey Birdman, but they did an episode where he was out sick and, and Birdman, um, filled in for him. And he was just like pathetic and like crying and stuff. Didn't, um. Because he was tired because he, there was no sun. Didn't, um, uh, oh, well, I mean, the Brack show was in Adult Swim, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it? that was. That's an that's an OG show. Yeah. yeah. So that I mean, that one pretty definitively spun off. I think they did a whole. Didn't they do like one of the later episodes was like Space Ghost being mad that the Brack show is more popular, and then at the end he's like trying to talk to his agent to get him on the Brack show. <laughs> I don't remember that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Did a. You know what pisses me off that I never got it and I should have, but when they did the Space Ghost Coast to Coast action figures and you could get Space Ghost behind his desk, I should have gotten that. Oh, I didn't know they did that. Like they had Moltar and Zorak too, I think. But um, <laughs> was Moltar on the Brack show? I don't remember him being there, but that does not mean he wasn't. I don't remember him and Zorak like were kind of like quasi brothers and them getting into shenanigans. Yeah. Um, yeah, going all the way back to Space Coast for a second, I just one of the the memories that stuck out in my head because I know they had Savage on there one time, but the one that stuck out for me was the Weird Al interview. That that for me was like the probably my favorite. Uh, of what was on the 
Yeah, because that was also that was the same episode that had Space Ghost with his his brine shrimp banjo that got too big. I still I, I I I didn't mean to, but one day I ended up. He has a little song he sings about banjo that I ended up adapting to one of my kids at one point. Banjo, 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 faster than lightning. And I, I did that for my oldest kid, and he looks at me and goes. He goes, Daddy, I'm not that fast. <laughs> um, let me see. I'm looking at the other. I remember Perfect Hair Forever. Um, I think I covered really the ones I watched, other than because it lasted so long, even though it wasn't my thing. Squidbillies has kind of always been on the network. Uh, that might not be for much longer. Yeah, I know. That guy, like, lost his... Yeah, because if you, uh, if for those out there who have ever watched Squidbillies or were a fan of it, uh, the guy who does the voice of the main character, Rilly, uh, who went by the stage name Unknown Henson, he was like a, uh, I don't know how to describe him. He's kind of like an underground musician uh, slash actor. Did a lot of like I think like rockabilly, like psychobilly type stuff. But he's a uh, <laughs> He picked he's, the wrong fight, didn't he's he? He's done. He basically went on some rant uh, against the Black Lives Matters and specifically targeted Dolly Parton because Dolly Parton was, um, I think, tweeted or made, gave some sort of statement, you know, saying she supports like Black Lives Matters, and he just went off on that. And it was just, it was just uh, the wrong message to, to give out there. Yeah, yeah. And, and especially like Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton is very beloved for good reason. Yeah. And, and if you don't, if it, for however anyone might feel about, and she's like a she's like a real philanthropist. Like she's done a lot for. Mm. Exactly for anyone, mm. Even if, mm. whoever, however people feel about Black Lives Matters, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna remotely go into those waters. But I will say, like Dolly Parton is a philanthropist. She's known for being like just incredibly gracious and just wanting to help people. It's like <laughs> it is completely in character for Dolly Parton to want to. To have equality, yeah, and, yeah, and there's probably and care about this, it, 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 like really important social issue. And there's probably, I would say, you'd be hard pressed to find a celebrity that has given more back to their community than Dolly Parton. Oh, absolutely. If you want just a recent example of the kind of what kind of person Dolly Parton is, just go look up what she did for people who were displaced by the fire down around Gatlinburg. Yeah. Just just look that up real quick and then stop and consider how much how many people she gave how much to in all of that. And it's you, you, no. He 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 picked the wrong fight. Yeah. And um, I I cannot feel bad for for anyone for picking that fight. Chad, I just that made, was not right. I just sent you some pictures that are going to make you sad about your childhood. I'm I'm seeing them right now. They're actually really I'm well done. I'm seeing them right now. <clears throat> I think the thing that would make me sad is that we would never see. I, I doubt we'd ever see these on uh, Toys That Made a series. <laughs> I, my, my sad one, I don't know if they made it in a subsequent series, but the Tanzit didn't get a figure. The, who didn't? Tanzit. 
Okay, I'm not placing that Tanzit, for whatever well, he's reason. He's like an orange guy, but Tanzit was the um, the announcer like when they were going through like the building that would intro him. Oh. Um, gosh, I've got a memory leak for that. Uh, I got nothing. He's like, like when they would start talking, he'd be like, hey, you know, here's your host, Space Ghost. Right. Oh, I understand what you're getting at, but I got... I got nothing for you on that. Uh, he just completely memory hold. That makes me sad that you don't remember Tanzit. You know what's funny that they did that? Um, they did that. That they did the the Brack show as a as a takeoff of that is that he only really appeared on Space Ghost Coast to Coast maybe like three times. Yeah. He wasn't there. He wasn't on that very much. He was on Cartoon Planet. And yet, yeah. Um, you know, with such bright classics as I Love Beans and Highway 40 and things like that. Yeah. So I think, like, kind of before we, we, we sign off for the night, is there anything else, like, either of you, like, want to, you know, mention about Adult Swim? I know for Shad, like, this was less of a part of his, like, I think, 20s than it was for Matt and I. Like, I, I'm legit when I say, like, my TV watching revolved around Adult Swim for a good five to six years. Like, I have a lot of love. Like, I actually, because we were doing this episode, I'm probably going to go back and watch all of Aqua Teen. <laughs> and I'm going to make you... I'm going to I'm going to make you do that meatwad impression more and keep you up with it because it makes me sad that Matt can't do the Terry Funk as much anymore cuz he forgot. <laughs> okay. I'll I I okay? You don't have to you don't have to talk to me like that. That's a pretty dead on impression. I'm I'm being honest. I don't know how I ended up with a good meat water. Do you have to like pinch? Can I ask you a question? Do you like pinch your cheeks to get yeah. your voice to like do that weird like? No, I just I just kind of tighten my throat for it. Um, I, I tighten my throat and I kind of like. I don't. Uh, this this is may not be the the best way to describe it, but it's what comes to mind. It feels like I I kind of like thicken my tongue when i do it okay so that makes sense no but no i don't i don't i don't touch i don't use my hands for anything well the show can do two impressions now meatwad and terry <laughs> funk meatwad and oh, terry wait, no funk. and kevin nash it's only one line about adult beverages yeah. but... <laughs> yeah. and how the boys need their candy <laughs> That okay? Yeah. At some point, we're gonna end up with a. We're gonna we're gonna be stumped for ideas one week, and we're gonna end up with a show where Meatwad, Terry Funk, and Kevin Nash host. I. It's gonna be all improv. Yeah. <laughs> I'm game for it. Let's. Funny story. My, let's see what happens. My my niece wanted to cosplay a couple anime conventions ago, and she likes Rick and Morty too. She's like, let's do Rick and Morty. I'm like, okay, like you be Rick, so I could just put a yellow shirt on and be like, Morty. But then my wife got mad at me because we she took a bunch of pictures of us like standing there in our costumes, and she's like, why do you have this downtrodden like 
like not smile on your face and I'm like I'm in character <laughs> like Morty doesn't smile but I was just going around <clears throat> the whole time like I was just being like oh gee Rick it, you mm, there have been some, part of what has has uh, undoubtedly influenced my opinion is is running into fans at conventions because there are some of them that are like uh, way more over the top than they yeah 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 it's like you know you you guys should really kind of throttle this back a little bit because. Um, it's 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 been that and in Doctor Who fans have been the the real the the ones that I've had the hardest time well, with and I don't go looking to start a fight with them but don't worry about the Doctor Who fans the BBC has managed to beat the love of that show out of them so <laughs> it, it it's back around to the purists again I guess yeah they've um they have not done a good job with it um the last five years with the writing so well no i would say even longer than that because the problems kind of go back to matt smith um if i'm being honest which is a good i got no which is a good show um if you like sci-fi i would not watch the old stuff but if you want to watch the new stuff it it is a good show but i I do agree the fans can get a little yeah that that's what i ran into if you enjoy it go ahead and enjoy it just don't demand that i do too no i get that it's a, it's a good show though um especially like it is a good show if you have a spouse that isn't super into sci-fi um it's a good way to get them to watch sci-fi stuff and it to be a little accessible I'd, I'd be more inclined to watch inspector space time but they don't broadcast that as much uh, well i think that is that is yeah, about i think that'll about wrap us yeah. up um all right so uh, thank you all for joining us um much like adult swim itself this episode got a little bit got a little bit off track and a little bit odd but that's okay was there a show that we missed that you wanted to hear about was there something that um was was there a show that that deserved more attention or or what you know we would love to hear from you on social media please hit us up and um you know, we uh, like I said, we'd we'd love to hear from you on all of our platforms. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought I was going to have something else to go after that, but as it as it turns out, I don't. So this has been Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will see you next time. <laughs>